All right, guys, welcome to Property Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Kaminsky, filling in for Dave Dubow. And if you've ever wondered what it takes to really stand out in a sea of real estate projects, even amidst new construction, our guest today, Julian Armstrong, the mastermind behind Blue Ink Equity Partners, has really cracked the code. So get ready for some insights into real estate success and the art of keeping investors on board. Julian, thrilled to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thrilled to be on. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. So th there's a lot to talk about, but you know, the main thing that I want to really dive into is everyone's got that origin story. How how did you get your feet wet in this real estate business? Well, it's it's funny. I, I think uh, some people have the same similar story, but what what happened is I had a friend drag me to a Than Merrill mm -hmm. uh, fortune, fortune builder. Yeah, yeah, and so that really opened my world to real estate because before that, what I thought was that you actually had to be licensed to do anything in real estate. Yeah. Not knowing that was another side of the coin that you don't have to be licensed to do anything in real estate. Yeah. So once once I got, uh, went to that event, it opened my world up. And that's how I fell into wholesaling. And then from wholesaling, and this was all in Atlanta. And so yeah. this is that's where I started my real estate journey in Atlanta, Georgia. And wholesaling then from, in Atlanta is awesome. Yes, Lots it is. It is. It is. It is. It's very, very lucrative. Um, but I wanted to get something beyond that. I kind of saw a future... Like, I don't want to be doing this the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and so I wanted, I started to get more interested in, in, in raising capital and doing bigger projects. So I started talking with the investors that I was wholesaling to, to go ahead and let's go ahead and do it, get to some fix and flips. Yeah. And so that started to what I had to do with those investors, you know, build the capital up to uh, for our fix and flips. And then um, recently, uh, 2018, it's kind of when I had a, a market shift. I started to see another market, which was Jacksonville, Florida. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Atlanta started got to get in that top of the market that reaches like okay, it's kind of getting a little muddy here. It's let's 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 look for somewhere where an emerging market where our capital yeah. will go a little further. And Jacksonville was that place. So, how many years ago did you start wholesaling? When did you go to Spoken uh, Builders? As I don't know if they still actually run the circus, do they? They still come to town from time to time. I haven't I, seen I, an ad for a while. I've seen I saw an ad, ad yet. <laughs> it's been a minute, man, but. That was 2012, 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been about 10 years, 10 years, 10,000 hours. You must have a handle on it by now. So <laughs> in what year you said 2018, you moved into Jacksonville and, and this is where it started into, um, what did you start continue wholesaling? You started flipping or where, when did you start getting now, development? So now this, this is where the development process began, uh, for me. So with the track record that we have with our uh, creativity and our designs, we decided we wanted to go do that further in a city like Jacksonville that kind of deserves that what we call affordable luxury. What mm -hmm. affordable luxury just pretty much means is that everybody thinks luxury has to exist in a real big footprint. Um, and that's just, you know, what society has gone on. But we kind of debunking that, especially with the market conditions today, you know, having a smaller footprint home to be able to, with the interest rates, it'd be better on people's pockets with a little creativity, a little design. You can still feel like you're living in a real big luxury home, but you're just in a smaller footprint and, and it's more affordable for your pockets and, uh, you know, as you, for your note. <laughs> so we, we just wanted to bring something different to this market. And we know our investors capital can really, really grow in this place. So when did you start? When did you start breaking ground on some of those projects? How many have you done, or are you still in the process of breaking? Well, we ground? we're in the process of breaking ground on seven projects here in Jacksonville right now, uh, in a mixture of duplexes and single family homes. Uh, but we and, and but we also in another emerging market in Oklahoma City, we're building twelve uh, townhomes. 
um, on a commercial level in, in Oklahoma City. So what uh, what have you done so far in Jacksonville um, as far as fixing and flipping? Is that sort of the... Uh, well, the we started or... actually, actually the bread and butter started here was actually uh, Airbnbs mm. uh, because it being close to St. Augustine, close to Orlando, it just kind of made sense to start with cash flow. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and then as the, the cash flow was starting to build that, it then started to look at, okay, well, where are the opportunities here from a development standpoint while that was being built? And then once we saw that opportunity, uh, there was like, okay, this is, this is full go. Uh, just for an example, buying land for cheap, 14K, 15K, being able to subdivide it, you get two for one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now that capital has just exponentially grown even more versus me buying separate lots and buying or, or buying an acquisition that's in place already. Mm-hmm. So how many, um, so right now your main business, what you're doing these days is uh, managing and uh, operating those uh, short-term rentals? No, the main business today is raising capital with our investors yeah. and uh, doing development in the property, giving them returns and also uh, our advisory services. So if you're a novice or a seasoned investor, uh, novice investor, if you're looking to get into real estate and build that portfolio, we put out a plan, no different than the financial planner, but we do it with real estate. And for our, our our seasoned investors, we look at their portfolio, see where they made the trim some fat, how they can continue to grow their portfolio. Um, and we map that out for them as well to show them, okay, they're looking to get here. We map that out and show them with real estate. And so how did you get into that business? Because it doesn't seem like something people are sitting around having coffee going, you know what we could do? <laughs> you know, well, so, well, I saw a need for it. It's like, okay. So financial planners, they can't touch real estate, right? They're licensed, like they can recommend, but they mm -hmm. can't really touch it. So it's like, well, everybody doesn't want to get in the paper. You know what I mean? Some people want actually physical assets that they can touch in a, in a time in such a market as this, where the stock market has not been favorable to people, right? Yeah. So, but, but, but people don't have a guidance to that. And, and uh, a lot of financial planners can't, I can't allude to that fact. So they have to have to recommend. So we're looking to make ourselves an asset in that, in that realm uh, to add to a financial planner's business where we can come in and be that advisor from a real estate standpoint to, to diversify their portfolio and continue to grow. Yeah. Cause there's this, the old saying, you know, all health, all wealth is either made or held in real estate. So exactly. you're essentially helping people understand that because I can remember the same thing, you know, it was, 2015 and before that i was like well you know i've seen people flip houses on hgtv or whatever but uh, i was under the same understanding that really the only way you could make money was you know fixing up houses and then reselling them but as i started opening up that box i realized there's mm -hmm. so many other ways to you know probably i would say real estate is one of the ways that you can have so many different ways to actually take value out of it or make value in it or mm -hmm. hold value in it. So it's like, um, it's a very not complicated, but diverse uh, industry in, in which you can invest in or work in or yeah. um, transact in. So when are you still wholesaling now? Or you, what, what does your portfolio look like as far as what you're actively doing in, in real estate. I know you're doing those developments. How much time is that taking mm -hmm. in a day? Oh, it, it really, it, it bogs down a day, but it's fun. You know what I mean? Oh, you know, the nuances when it comes to development, it's, 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 uh, it's very interesting, right? But if you, you fall in love with it, the delays are, 
not fun, but we understand it's just a part of the process. And um, so we we just kind of take up approach at the daily of, of, of always loving what we do. So it doesn't feel like um, if we're getting bogged down in the day, as much time as we can take. Yeah, because, you know, like as as streamlined as development is at a point in the project, the the delays as opposed to flipping the delays are like in the middle and maybe near the end. But yeah. when it comes to like construction and development, uh, it's a lot of like we got rejected on the plan again. Uh, exactly. We got rejected on our yes. setbacks again. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the person that's supposed to put the stamp on this is on vacation for two weeks. And there you go. So how, how do you guys navigate the delays? How do you maximize or minimize rather the delays inherent in development for your investors? <laughs> well, when we talk about return to our investors, that's why we tell them, Hey, uh, 24 months, you know what I mean? Versus, a year because we know the nuances and and of course if we give it back to them early we give it back to them early but uh we we put in enough cushion room for time wise uh to make sure that we we, we still are on time with the getting our investors back their returns but mm-hmm. also giving us enough room for the delays it's just like when you you know you when you're building and construction you have to have a contingency budget right just in case there's overages or anything can go wrong but that's the same thing we look at from a time perspective with delays we have to put a contingency in there for if anything happened from a just in case standpoint. So they're already aware um, from from that. And so it, uh, something interesting that happened, like we're doing a, a development in, in Florida off, uh, uh, and on three lakefront properties. And we were supposed to start building around April, May of this year. But mm-hmm. guess what? A crane nest was just happened to be on the property <laughs> and so now you got environmental on environmental on, uh, we, yeah. for so for four to five months we could not we had to wait till that egg hatched and they and they and they flew away and so it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 stuff like that and i'm just saying why can't we just cook it but you know it's not you can't do that and you're gonna go to jail right so <laughs> you know yeah we, you we have, have those, those things. uh we have those up here where they'll like fence off a whole section of the beach and say like, you can't go in there because there's some endangered bird living there, you know? So um, definitely in Florida, I'm sure you're bumping into that. And what, what's the most common, you know, like if someone's thinking, I want to become a developer, they're like, I want, you know, I want to get into the game. Um, And I think a lot of people dream about that. You know, they want to make, they want to make a, a, a print or they want to make a, an impact on their, their city or even just to put their name on a building, you know, what would be one piece of advice you'd give someone who's just looking at that and starting out? Study your numbers, okay. know your area. It's not just, let's go find out how to do construction. No, it's, you have to really understand the environment and the landscape that you're developing in. And, and I think that that base starts from knowing the location and knowing your numbers. Once you get that kind of, to me, mastered, down packed, it's kind of easy to uh, to go into any area within real estate in any part of the country, and then to be able to apply that that base because that is the base of it. It doesn't matter where you're at; like you'd be able to take that same knowledge and do it all over. What applied, and, and the only difference is the municipalities and how they operate, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's it. But from a number standpoint, I could I can go from Florida to Winnipeg and probably apply some of that just what are the rules there a little bit and boom it's going to be the same exact thing because it's all about valuation and numbers so once you understand that and and also understand how to create value out of nothing because that's mm-hmm. what real estate development is you're creating value out of nothing 
And so once again, that foundation all comes back to that math and learning those numbers and learning the location where you're at. Yeah, because there's, you know, there's, you want to go and build something. Uh, okay, let's go and pull up the PDF on infill guidelines. And now we're reading mm -hmm. offsets and setbacks and catch bases yes. and this and that. And so do you have someone on your team that investigates that or is that? Is that oh, you? yes. I, well, I do it too because I'm so hands-on. I try to be as hands-on as, as much as I can. But um, I again, I love the process. So I, I like to know well, what's going on with the property because – what happens is I know what strategy we need to take with our investors. Mm -hmm. Once I have that information and I know what strategy to take, then it's all, this is the plan that we have to implement and to put into place. Yeah. So what is the, you know, the next say 12, 24 months look like for, uh, for, for yourself and the company? So our focus is acquiring as much land as possible. Mm -hmm. We're going to actually uh, talk to our investors about building a land bank. And uh, the purpose of that land bank is to establish and buy all lots where even if they're individual lots to where we're building at. So we create the environment and we create the comps. So we create the values. Mm. And so now you become you get a better return on, on your money. And then we get to pick and choose of, of where we get to go. And then let's just say we have four lots that's in the same area and we only chose three. Well, we know the fourth lot has just by itself is raised value based on what we've done. Now we can decide to sell that lot decide not to build and create another income that way. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing uh, as far as your acquisition strategy? Because land's kind of a, I don't know what the word would be, but it's, it's like an underappreciated market in that there's, there's people in it, but mm -hmm. land isn't the first thing that comes to mind when people are like, I'm going <laughs> to go and start wholesaling. Yeah. It's usually houses. So how are you navigating the acquisitions? Because I know the banks aren't super happy about financing raw land either. So what is your plan to, you know, really finance that and acquire that over the next 24 months? So our acquisitions are like uh, like this. We have one wholesalers always go off market. It's, 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 they're starting to realize like land is becoming a little bit more popular now. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and so the, those are really are some of our go to sources. Number two, I still look on the MLS It's still good deals. On the MLS, when it comes to land, not necessarily yeah. in structures, but from a land standpoint, there's some good deals out there. Um, and so I'm going to be on those are my really main two sources, wholesalers, and I still go on the MLS. And as far as acquisition goes, as far as paying for it, we have our investors who are mostly in the Midwest investing with me here um, uh, to be able to buy that land. And so then we use all of that capital to not only acquire the land, but then to develop the land. And then based off the value after the land is developed, you know, once we poured the slab, we got all the electricity and plumbing and all of that. It now has another value. So we've been able to take that value to the bank because we know they don't like land. But what they do consider that is our skin in the game. That is our cash. So they'll give us that based off of that value. So we merge that to make 100 percent financing because nice. we put up the capital first. So. What would what separates your construction from you know say the next guy's development? You know what would you say is your your secret sauce that comes naturally to you guys that other people might find difficult? They don't know how to maximize small spaces effectively. So we can make eleven hundred square foot house for like it's eighteen hundred. It's okay. just all about thoughtfulness and how you lay out the space. Mm -hmm. And how, even within the setbacks that you have, how do you maximize it to make it feel like it's not a smaller 
environment or a smaller home because there's a problem with affordability, right? Especially with the market. Big houses are not in play right now. You know what I mean? It yeah. just doesn't make sense for what's going on. You know, but builders don't think so because that's how they make their money. Hey, right. So that's why they stop building, right? But then in effect, that causes no inventory, but then nobody wants to make what's needed for the market, which is a smaller product, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but because, you know, builders make their money off square footage, they feel like they can't make money off that smaller product. But nevertheless, you can. You, it's just all about thoughts and it's how you lay out that, that plan and that, that design, right? And so that's what helps us stand out because we lay all of that out to make it feel like, are you sure this is, you know, uh, uh, only 1,100 square feet? So it's just, mm-hmm. and, and then we put luxury items and, and not expensive stuff, just stuff that 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 makes it, it make it feel like I this house should be worth five hundred thousand and it's only really uh, two forty. Yeah. So what uh, what are some examples of of things that people can look forward to experiencing in your house? So the details like this. Uh, okay, so everybody, this is I'm going to give this away. You know, part of our, our sauce, but. Uh, if you look at your receptacles, you know, for your electricity, yeah. those, those, um, the, the, the covers, those receptacle covers, everybody uses white. Mm-hmm. Well, we use is what goes with the trim of the house. Okay. So if it's, if it's satin nickel, we're going to make those satin nickel too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In the rest, in, in the bathrooms, in the master suites, we know that women use stay in the restrooms, right? They're always in the restroom. Mm-hmm. So that makeup or whatever women do, right? Mm-hmm. So, women like to look at themselves. So we put makeup, little stuff like makeup mirrors mm-hmm. next to the mirrors. So she doesn't have to think about, oh, I got to get this from my, it's already there. We, we kind of put ourselves in the mind frame of if I was living here, how would I want this to function and flow instead of just giving you a bed and you got everything else, we kind of give you a little bit more. And it really doesn't cost much. It's just all really about thoughtfulness, honestly. Yeah, the details, right? The, yeah, the details. absolutely. So- um, a lot of times developers get caught up in the game of maximizing the use of the land. Um, mm-hmm. They'll be like, oh, you know, if I go through variance, maybe I can get four on this two spot. Uh, mm-hmm. And they usually get caught up in the time of that. Do you play that game of maximization or do you just try to like, you know, smoothly sail through the de- development process? Because you can fight the city for pretty much whatever you want. It just doesn't mean you're going to win and it might be a big waste of time. <laughs> so where do you guys sit on, on that whole uh, maximizing use? Depends on how bad we want to fight for it and how much yeah, we believe. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm going to be, I, I try to look for the, when I look at the zoning, I'm like, hopefully this is already what we need to do and we just can go with it. You know what yeah. I mean? But if I see that, like, nah, man, this wouldn't be the highest, best of you can. We really believe that we can fight and get the zoning for it. And it helps that I go and talk to them all the time about stuff too, you know, so I kind of abreast on, on the changes and stuff like that. But we try to look for what's easy, the easy button. And if mm-hmm. we believe in it, then we fight. Yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, as long as it's time profitable, because I think yes. the biggest thing like we were talking about before is like time is the overage in the development process. Absolutely. You, are you concerned at all of, of supply chain issues and inflation as you go into construction, being that these projects are 12, 18, 24 months? How do you project how do you project your costs so far into the future? Well, the, we're able to control it because we're not building a big product. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So if wood goes up during our process, well, we don't have to order a lot of wood. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we're already so big 
So imagine if we build it in 2,500 square feet and you, you're at 1,100 square feet and you have 1,400 to go, but wood goes up on that 1,400. Well, now, you know, you may be upside down or close to just breaking even or not making any money at all because of that material cost went up. But if we, if we already stayed at a certain size, we mitigate that risk right there. And that's why we're staying within that, with the products that we're building, because we're mitigating for those type of changes. Like we know that concrete has went up. So our strategy is, well, we don't want to have this setback from uh, on the setback line so far. We want to kind of move it close because concrete is high. So now our driveway may be a, a little smaller, but we're not trying to make no 20 foot driveway because now it drives our cost up. So mm-hmm. we try to make it as short as possible. That way it, it all fits in with our cost and our structure and our budget. Yeah, affordable housing. So um, if people want to connect with you, they want to reach out, they want to look at investing uh, with you guys and and really like jumping on board with this affordable housing movement that you seem to, um, you know, really be pioneering out there. How do they c- connect with you? What should they do? You can first you can go to my, our website is www.blueinkequitypartners.com. Ink is spelled I-N-K. Because uh, mm-hmm. and because sign in blue ink, and then you can find me on Instagram at Jew Blue. Excuse me, that is J U B L U three as the E. So J U B L U three and you on Instagram, and you can uh, contact there from there as well. Awesome, awesome. So yeah, I really appreciate you. Uh, Thank y'all for having letting me, people really. letting people in on on the business model. I think you guys got a bright future, and it's really I think what people are looking for. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, no, I, I really thank y'all for having me uh, just to, to expose you to your people to let them know what we do. Thank you so much. Really thankful. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And until next time, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode. All right. Peace.